0: what's up guys welcome back to block exploring the blockchain episode 285 happy wednesday uh getting up there almost 300. uh today have a fantastic guest uh valentine ceo of quasar finance here to talk about DeFi a bit more DeFi in the cosmos ecosystem and kind of what they're doing around asset management um valentine how you doing man welcome
1: i'm doing great thank you for having me on the show
0: it's an honor Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, We'll have a really fun conversation. A lot of want to talk about Um, before we do tell the audience a bit more about yourself. I'm sure they're curious as to who you are and you know what you've done prior in the space leading up to Quasar. So um, give us a bit about your story and your background.
1: Absolutely, and I want to preface this with saying this is not what I usually wear. Uh, I'm currently, <laughs> I'm currently falling out of uh, coin desk ideas in New York City, which connects TradFi to defi. So you got to show some sort of presence. But what do you usually yeah, again, wear? Uh, I would say smart casual, but definitely not white collar. I would probably wear okay. just a quarter zipper closed off. That's probably what I would go for. Um, yeah. So you know, I've been in crypto since I'm 16, um, like very early on, and uh, my ma- my my journey through crypto has been like guided through basically finding out new things and then exploring them, right? So in the beginning, I was doing tokenomics reports, uh, went to Drape University, Tim Draper University, and um, then essentially worked on NFTs so for supply chain management solutions, went on to co-found my uh, old company. It's a research advisory business for German institutions, essentially. And then went in full native DeFi, uh, joined an incubator, co-founded Quasar out of that, and that's where we are today. So uh, definitely a super uh, crypto-driven professional career.
0: Awesome, cool. Well, Was there like a specific moment, you know, in your in your past, like with crypto or with blockchain, that like really piqued your interest, and you're like, uh, like this is this is the industry I want to be in, or this is the space I want to be a part of?
1: Yeah, so I would say there were like two big ones, right? It was the, the first moment was when I found out about Bitcoin when I was 16, um, where essentially, you know, that age you start getting econ classes and you start talking about inflation, you start talking about value and like, you start realizing, you know, on one hand we have someone that prints the money, on the other hand people don't have enough of it. Um, it's just a weird concept. When I found out about Bitcoin, you know, the limited supply back then was like what, you know, what people were interested in, um, that piqued my interest. So that's why I kind of explored deep into it, right? And then the second stage was with the arrival of DeFi, with Uniswap, essentially, um, where I was saying, okay, this entire market has been cycling around like a shark around the future, you know, and DeFi, and suddenly we're in it, right? We, we, we caught it, we, we bid it. Um, and that really got me in, like, super deep and super natively once that happened with full conviction, and ever since I had not a single piece of doubt.
0: Yeah, so what about... Uh, DeFi, you know, really piqued your interest. Um, I know there's a lot of different potential use cases for decentralized finance in the world today. Um, Was there anything about that that made you want to kind of get into that side of things with Quasar?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So um, to give a bit of more background on me, right, my parents both come from ex-communist countries uh, and what people in the West often don't realize is that those people had to adopt and learn this new system of capitalism, right? So they didn't grow up in it. And you can tell to this day that the access for them, the understanding of how the system works is very limited. Um, so the aspect that gets me excited about DeFi is entirely democratizing any and all things that traditional finance has gatekept, right? So it's essentially market making. You can't be a market maker unless you're Citadel in virtue. Now you can, right? You can't be the liquidity provider until you unless you're um, you know, very wealthy, now you can with50 dollars. Um, if you are from Argentina, you can't buy US stocks well, now you can, right? For me, it was just democratizing access of financial of financial freedom, which is the mission that has guided me ever since.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, that's a very noble uh, mission to follow and into the space. And, you know, I I think you guys will, you know, help make a lot of change through Quasar. Um, So what are some of the things you guys are doing with Quasar within the DeFi world? Um, What what makes you guys different from some of those other projects? And what do you guys focus on?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So right now in DeFi, asset management is one of the smallest aspects, right, one of the smallest markets. Um, and we are setting up the thesis that it's going to be one of the biggest, the same way that it happened in traditional finance, where, you know, asset management was pretty small and now it's literally, literally the biggest market. Um, and the reason that it's small is because you don't have a lot of trust in the system, right, a lot of anon teams, you don't know who is really managing your capital. You have a bunch of risk factors you can't really judge as an end user and you can't even judge as an institution. Um, and on top of that, it's really the lack of expertise and the time to acquire expertise. That's an issue, right? So our goal really is allowing professional strategists access to global capital, which in, in turn means that global capital can invest alongside the rest of the industry. And we solve an issue on the asset management side of things, which is you know, AUM increase, just increasing more capital they're managing. And we're solving the issue on the global side of things, which is access to those best in class products, which have been gate kept from you mm-hmm. in the past. Um, so the problem we're really solving is that bridge, right? How do we onboard institutions natively to DeFi, which is again, also literally why we talked at Coindesk ideas today about that. Uh, at the same time, it's also building a product that is truly DeFi native and not CDFI with a user experience that, you know, someone that's not in DeFi could actually follow, right? So, for instance, Web3 auth, we're going to have login with Apple and Google, um, that sort of thing. So, it's, it's bridging that gap is what we are at Quasio tackling.
0: Cool. So, is this focused more towards, like, an institutional uh, body that wants asset management, or is this also tailored to, like, the retail investor that wants to take a small amount of capital and put into DeFi as like passive income over time and earn uh, staking rewards. Uh, Is it for both or one or the other?
1: Yeah, it's for both, but it's obviously phases to get to the first one, right? You don't propose marriage on the first date. Um, But so in, in the beginning phases, it really is focused for DeFi Native people. That's much more what we do. So someone like literally someone having like 500 bucks left over and we want to allow him to pick where he would want to invest his money and alongside whom right and invest the the strategists that run the strategies uh, are not going to be institutions on day one right we have to be very honest about that it's going to be defined natives but that's still valid right because they have the time and expertise to look into where to deposit the capital we are not yet at the phase where we have you know quant strategy against quant strategy with hard-coded strategies and like microsecond latency differences like winning or losing right we're still not there in crypto uh, and that's fine we will get to that point but for now Um, strategies can be as simple as just an index, right? If you want to invest in the Cosmos today, um, you can't really bet on IBC, you can't bet on Cosmos because if you buy Atom, you're not buying the gas that's being used for the entire DeFi in Cosmos. If you buy Ethereum, you're getting the Ethereum network. Um, So one of the first strategies that we are launching with is literally just an index and auto rebalances, uh, auto compounds and auto stakes rewards.
0: Okay, got it, makes sense. Um, so I know you guys have it set up as these vaults in a way where people can create different like strategies for locking up their capital. Um, can you talk a bit more about that and how it works? And if someone you know wanted to use Quasar, um, how can they use that to their advantage, maybe to make some passive income?
1: Absolutely. Um, so the, the way that it's designed is we are our own app chain, right? And mm-hmm. if I would have told myself a couple of years ago that we're building our own chain, I would have coughed uh, and laughed in my face. But with the Cosmos SDK, it's very possible, right? Um, so the entire chain is designed to essentially host strategies and offer best in class execution in, in the Cosmos ecosystem. So what it would look like is basically, you know, you would find a vault that you like, You would read into what it does. You would look into the past performance, make your assumptions, right? This is not financial advice on my end. Um, And then you would essentially follow that strategy. So it's actually not custodial which is kind of the kicker. (laughs) You're not giving up your funds. You're uh, following a strategy like copy trading, like social trading on eToro, right? Um, And yeah, at that point, your capital is working for you. And you can disconnect and leave it as soon as you want.
0: Cool. Can it be like, does it have to be like Quasar, like your guys' native uh, token, or can it be like anything within the ecosystem? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So the way it's designed is that the the, the strategies are controlled by, from the Quasar chain, right? Mm -hmm. But they're also independently governed. So like any depositor into a vault has voting rights in that vault, and we as an entity or token holders don't have that. So, you know, we can't liquidate a vault that you invested into. Um, unless everyone invested in the vault vaults on that, right? Um, and then the strategies destinations are essentially all IBC chains. So Cosmos is the for now, Polkadot by the end of the year, near next year, and then ETH the year after probably. Um, so the vaults are designed specifically to automatically execute your strategy across IBC.
0: So why did you guys decide to start uh, by building this on IBC and the cosmos? ecosystem. Was there anything about it that was more attractive than building it within Polkadot's ecosystem or Ethereum's?
1: Absolutely. So if you look at Ethereum, where we know the most liquidity is, we're not contesting that fact, um, you don't own the entire stack. So if you run a strategy, um, you are competing on block space with NFT projects, right? You're you're competing with a mint, you're competing with jump trading, you're competing with actual high frequency trading entities. Um, On top of that, you don't own the fee structure, from the entire stack, right? So you're just relying on Ethereum updating. And sometimes there's updates in Ethereum that break smart contracts because you can't upgrade them after you put them out, which is, again, a very good reason we're building on Cosmos because with Cosmos and the language based on Rust, we use for the uh, for the vaults, you can upgrade a vault even after it was been deployed, which is crucial for strategies and crucial for keeping them up to date, which is something that you don't have in ETH. Also, owning the entire stack allows us to build uh, solutions in the chain that makes sure that you don't get front run, for example, right? Or that like MEV is not captured by validators that don't contribute to the ecosystem. So we can really play around with all the levers if we own the entire stack. So, and the last reason is fragmentation of capital. So there's a ton of capital in IBC, but spread out, right? And by building the vaults that can execute automatically, we can run strategies across different of those chains. So you can have an arbitrage strategy trading between Gravity Dex and Osmosis, right? Or chain and Osmosis, um, which is a, a capability that's really strong and hasn't been seen
0: before. Awesome. Um, what are some of your thoughts, You know, taking a step back and looking at the entire industry and looking at DeFi in particular, I know over the last couple of years, it has become one of the main highlights of the entire you know blockchain space and has really driven value, uh, TVL and, and capital into the space more than it ever has. Um, in some ways, faster rates than even into traditional finance. Um, yeah. where, where do you see DeFi at right now and where do you think it's going to end up in the next year or so? I know that development um, is happening very, very quickly every single day, but there's so many ideas, so many strategies, so many different projects working on different things. Um, it's hard to follow and get an idea of the trajectory of this side of the space. Um, Since you're, you know, there and a part of it and you see it every day, you have your thumb on the pulse of it. um, What are your thoughts of DeFi right now?
1: So I think that DeFi right now, it's kind of it's going to be an obsolete battle between ecosystems. Right. With IBC coming in, I'm pretty sure that liquidity will be able to move freely between ecosystems. And it won't be like this is better than that. Right. There's going to be a reason to go to ETH and there's going to be a reason to to go to Polkadot. On. Um, and once you have that IBC interoperability, you don't have to choose anymore where you start off, right? And where you're locked in. Um, I also think that accommodating, you know, professional asset managers is something that's going to come in the next year, two or three, where we have a ton of products and a ton of uh I would say solutions they need in order to run strategies, let's say historical data tracking, right, uh, data points, real-time data trading, um, test net versions for for you know, modeling their, uh, their machine learning algorithms, um, those things are going to pop up. And I think at, at the last stage, um, DeFi is going to explore more innovative ways of how to replicate what we have in traditional finance in a more decentralized and trustless manner, which is what I'm particularly excited about.
0: Yeah, me too. I, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how this shapes up, but also within the traditional finance industry, because I think um, it threatens a lot of exchanges and banks and, you know, major players that have been around for a long time, as well as um, crypto exchanges in our industry, um, you know, DeFi is, a, in a lot of ways, a better, faster, cheaper alternative. Do you see that, you know, creating any kind of loggerheads or potential conflict within the crypto industry, uh, knowing that DeFi is accelerating really quickly and exchanges are under all this scrutiny? Um, you see any uh-huh. issues there?
1: I think we are already in that fight, um, to be honest. And I think the issue is that these centralized organizations cannot successfully represent themselves in regulatory issues, right? And that's a massive issue because centralized entities can lobby, you know, and they can engage uh, as entities with the lawmakers. And, you know, lawmakers have the best intention at heart, but it's obviously very important where they get the data from, right? And who's playing the game and who's representing the, the retail investors. And right now... Centralized autonomous organizations, DAOs, do not really have the ability to do that on a legal level. So I think what threatens uh, DeFi's native growth is that bridge to regulation, which we kind of have to find a way around. Um, but I think that, you know, centralized exchanges will always have uh, a market because the fiat on-ramp um, is going to be regulated forever in most markets. Um, and... If they innovate enough on that, then they are always going to have that mode, right? That um, that monopoly, I would say, in the onboarding to, to crypto. Um, however, there's always also going to be competition in playing around that, but I don't think they're going to reach mainstream adoption the same way that centralized exchanges have.
0: So what's next for you guys with Quasar? What do you have on your roadmap that's coming up that you guys may be excited about or that you're rolling out? Um, and then, you know, what are your plans for you know, the next year um, in the first and second quarter? Yeah, absolutely.
1: So we're currently in version two of our testnet. So we're running with independent validators already. Uh, uh, We're looking at the mainnet launch date at around January. And what we're currently designing is really like the final architecture for the permissionless vault creation. Um, So we are particularly excited to really offer those tools as an infrastructure offering um, to anyone that wants to run strategies um, and wants to co-invest with people that run strategies that they believe in. So, yeah, we currently have all eyes on site for January main at launch. That's what we're looking at. Um, we just came from an off site in Istanbul, so everybody's is super excited. Um, and we are just going to iron out the last details until that moment comes and then see uh, where the road leads us.
0: Excellent. Where can people follow uh, Quasar if they want to learn more? Uh, should they just go to the website if they want more information, more documentation, or do you guys have a community yeah. somewhere?
1: Yeah, so we're currently firing out of all cylinders and updating the website and documentation. So there's going to be a new website soon, but the domain will stay. It is quasar.fi. Um, you can also find us on Twitter. It's also quasar.fi. Um, and you can get Medium and Discord links from Twitter and the website. Um, new website soon, uh, much more content soon. Technical onboarding as well as non-technical onboarding. Light paper is in the final draft stage. You know, coming soon as a bad rap in this industry, I don't think we're going to improve it, but it is coming soon, we are working on it. Um, and I would I would love to just hear people's thoughts and hear how they are looking to engage with the protocol so we can develop the needs um, and find the solutions for the needs they have.
0: What about you, are you on social media anywhere people find you?
1: Yeah, I would say uh, at Valeo, as you can see in the, there we go on the bottom right corner, at Valeo 777 is my Twitter. Um, that's mainly the one interesting point. Um, but don't, 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 uh, don't see uh, quality content coming. <laughs> it is definitely my final outlet for some thoughts I have randomly.
0: No, we love random thoughts. I love to kind of stalk some of the guests that come on the show and just see what they put on social media every once in a while. Um, yeah, I can totally cool. see that being interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, guys go follow Valentin. Make sure to check out Quasar Finance as well. Um, like, and subscribe to the video down below if you haven't mm-hmm. already uh, Valentin, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to to come on the show and chat about what you guys are doing at Quasar with uh, asset management, everything within the Cosmos ecosystem and IBC chain. And uh, very excited to see how things go for you guys' mainnet launch uh, come January. So keep me updated, man.
1: Will do. Thank you, Brandon. Have a nice day, everyone.
0: You too. Take care.